are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney. And throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook. And there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 311, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 15, Paragraphs 284 to 290. 284. These enemies also argue that in the begetting of the human being, its parents had not the proper intention or rightful purpose that they committed excess and sin in the act of generation. This is the strongest argument which the devils can advance for their right over human creatures, yet in the womb. For without a doubt, sins make the child unworthy of divine protection and justly hinder its conception. Yet, although this latter often happens and a number of human beings are conceived without ever seeing the light, ordinarily the holy angels prevent such a sad result. If they are legitimate children, the angels allege that the parents have received the sacraments and blessings of the church. Likewise, that they have some virtues, such as having given alms, being kind, having practiced some devotions or good works. The holy angels avail themselves of these things as powerful arms to ward off the devils and defend their charges. Over illegitimate children, the combat waxes more difficult. The enemy exercises a great right, because in the beginning of such children, wherein God has been so grievously offended, the enemies obtain a greater right, and the parents justly deserve rigorous chastisement. Hence, in defending and preserving illegitimate children, God manifests his most liberal mercy in a special manner. The angels base their arguments against the demon on this mercy, and that, after all, the children are the results of natural causes, as I have said above. If the parents have no merits of their own, neither any virtues, but are sullied by sins and vices, then the holy angels refer to the merits found in the forefathers of the child, in its brothers or relations to the prayers of its friends and acquaintances, and that it is no fault of the child if the parents are sinners or have committed excess in its generation. They also contend that those children, if they live, may reach a high degree of virtue and holiness, and that the demon has no right to hinder them from arriving at the knowledge and love of their Creator. 
Sometimes God manifests to them his designs of choosing them for some great work in the service of the church, and then the defense of the angels is most vigilant and powerful, but also the demons exercise greater fury in their persecution, being incited thereto by the greater solicitude of the angels. 285. All these combats and those we shall yet speak of are spiritual, for they take place between pure spirits, the angels and the demons and are conducted by weapons appropriate to the angels and to the Lord. The most effective arm against the malign spirits are the divine truths and the mysteries of the divinity and of the most holy trinity, of Christ the Savior, of the hypostatic union, of the redemption, and of the immense love with which the Lord as God and man seeks our eternal salvation. Likewise, the holiness and purity of most holy Mary, her mysteries and merits, all these sacraments they present in ever new aspects to the view of the demons, so that they are forced to understand and take notice of them through the activity of the holy angels and of God himself. And then happens what St. James says, that the devils believe and tremble, James 2.19. For these truths terrify and torment them so much that in order not to be obliged to take notice of them, they take refuge in the deepest hell, and they are so tormented by their horror of the mysteries of Christ that they are wont to ask God to take away the knowledge and remembrance of the hypostatic union and other great wonders of divine love. Hence, the angels and their contentions with them often repeat these words, Who is like to God, who is equal to Christ, the true God and man, who died for the human race? Who is to be compared to the Most Holy Mary, our Queen, who is exempt from all sin and gave flesh and bodily form to the eternal Word in her womb, a virgin before and after? 2.86. The persecutions of the demons and the defense of the angels continue at the birth of the child. At that hour the mortal hatred of this serpent exceeds itself, especially with those children who might receive baptism, because he strives to hinder it by any means in his power. Hence, the innocence of the infant cries loudly to the Lord in the words of Ezekias, Lord, I suffer violence, answer thou for me, Isaiah 38:14. For it seems that the angels, after the child has left the shelter of its mother's womb and it's unable either to protect itself or to secure from its elders sufficient protection against so many perils, are filled with great anxiety and thus begin to solicit for it direct interference of God. Hence, the care of the elders is very often supplemented by that of the holy angels, shielding the child in its sleep, when alone and in other situations, in which many children would perish, if they were not protected by their angels. All of us that attain the happiness of receiving baptism and confirmation possess in these sacraments a most powerful defense against the attacks of hell, because through them we are marked as children of the Holy Church, being regenerated to justification as children of God and heirs of glory. The virtues of faith, hope, and charity, and other virtues adorn and strengthen us to good works, and we participate in the other sacraments and suffrages of the Church, wherein the merits of Christ and his saints and all the other great blessings are applied to us. If we would avail ourselves of these advantages, we would vanquish the demon and hell would have no part in any of the children of the Church." 287. But, O oh, sad misfortunate, that there should be so few who, on arriving at the use of reason, do not lose the grace of baptism and join hands with the demon against their God. In view of this, it would seem just that we should be deprived and cut off from the protection of his providence and of his holy angels. 
He, however, does not act thus. On the contrary, at the time when we begin to be unworthy of it, he meets us with greater kindness in order to manifest the riches of his infinite bounty. Words cannot describe what and how great are the astuteness and the diligence of the demon in order to ruin man by inducing him to commit some sin. As soon as he comes to the years of discretion and the use of reason, for this they prepare from afar, seeking to accustom them to vicious actions during the years of their infancy, to present to their ears and eyes the example of evil conduct in their parents, their nurses, and older companions, to make the parents neglectful in counteracting this bad example. For in this tender age, like in soft wax on the unwritten tablet, all sensible impressions are deeply engraved, and thus afford the demons an opportunity to move the inclinations and passions of the children. And it is well known that men ordinarily follow these inclinations and passions unless prevented by special influences. Hence, these children, coming to the use of reason, will follow the bent of the inclinations and passions in regard to sensible pleasures, with which their imagination and fantasy are filled. As soon as they fall into some sin, the demon immediately takes possession of their souls, acquiring new right and power for drawing them into other sins. 288. Not less active is the diligence and care of the holy angels to prevent such damage and defend us from the devil. They frequently inspire the parents with holy thoughts, urging them to watch over the education of their children, to catechize them in the law of God, to enjoin upon them pious works and devotions, to withdraw from evil and exercise themselves in the virtues. The same good thoughts they instill into the children as they grow up are according to the light given them by God as to his intentions with the souls. In conducting this defense, they enter into great disputes with the demons, because those malign spirits allege all the sins of the parents against the children, and likewise the wrongful doings of the children themselves. For if they are not guilty, the demons claim that their actions are the result of his own activity, and therefore that he has a right to continue them in their souls. If the child, on coming to the use of reason, commences to sin, they put up a great fight to prevent the good angels from withdrawing from the evil. The good angels, on their part, allege the virtues of the parents and forefathers and the good actions of the children themselves. Even if it were no more than that of having pronounced the name of Jesus or Mary as taught them by their parents, they bring this as a defense, as their having begun to honor the name of their Lord and of their mother. And likewise, if they practice other devotions or know the Christian prayers and recite them, of all this the angels avail themselves as serviceable arms in our defense against the demon. For with each good action we rob the devils of some of the right acquired over us by original sin and still more by actual sin. 2.89 As soon as man enters into the use of his reason, the battle between the demons and the angels becomes still more bitter. For whenever we commit some sin, the dragon exerts all his powers to deprive us of our lives before we have time to do penance and thus to seal our eternal damnation. In order that we may commit new crimes, he besets all our ways with slings and dangers peculiar to each one's state of life, and he overlooks none of us, although he does not tempt one as dangerously as the other. But if men would see into these secret workings of the demons just as they happen, and if they could perceive the traps and pitfalls which of their own fault they permit the demon to prepare for them, all would live in trembling and fear. Many would change their state of life, or would refuse to enter upon it. Others would forsake the positions, offices, and dignities which they now esteem so highly. 
but in ignorance of their risk, they live on in pernicious security. They do not know enough to understand or believe more than is evident to their senses, and therefore they do not fear the hellish traps and pitfalls set for the ruin. Hence the number of fools is so great, and that of the truly prudent and wise so small. Many are called, and few are chosen. The wicked are the sinners, and are countless, while the virtuous and the perfect are very scarce. In proportion, as anyone multiplies his sins, in that proportion the devil acquires positive rights over his soul. And if he cannot put an end to the life of his victim, he at least seeks to treat him as his vile slave. For he claims that each day this soul becomes more his own, and that of its own will it so chooses, that therefore it cannot justly be snatched from his hands, nor deserve the assistance which it will not accept, that the merits of Christ should not be applied to it when it spurns them, that it should not benefit from the intercession of the saints when it entirely forgets them. 290. By these and other pretenses, which cannot be all mentioned here, the devil tries to cut short the time of penance for those whom he claims as his own. If he does not succeed in this, he tries to block the way of their justification, and his attempts are successful with many souls. But the protection of God and of the holy angels is wanting to none of us, and thus we are delivered from dangers of death by innumerable ways. And this is so certain that there is scarcely any one who could not verify it in the course of his life. They furnish us with ceaseless inspirations and warnings. They make us, of all occasions and means available for our admonishment and exhortation, what is still more valuable, they defend us against the rapid fury of the demons and set in motion against them all that the intellect of an angel or of a blessed spirit can devise, and all that their power and their most ardent charity can command for our safety. All this is necessary many times for some souls, and at times for all the souls who have delivered themselves over to the jurisdiction of the demons, and who use their liberty and their faculties only for such temerity. I do not speak of the pagans, the idolaters and heretics. These, indeed, the angels likewise defend and inspire to the practice of the moral virtues, which they afterwards use as arguments against the devils. But ordinarily, the most they do for them is to protect their lives in order that God, having allowed them so much time for their conversion, may be justified in his behavior toward them. The angels also labor to prevent them from committing such great sins, as the demons incite them to. For the charity of the angels exerts itself, so that at least they may not incur such great punishments, as the malice of the demons seeks to fasten upon them. This concludes our reading today for day number 311. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 15, Paragraphs 284 to 290. The premise of our reading today is pretty straightforward. Be a good person, and the angels will be with you. Don't be a good person, and evil will surround you. And so we take caution then in our own life to seek to do the good, and to avoid evil, because we know what the ramifications will be otherwise. But we know that the Lord is merciful, and this is what Maria Vagrida tells us today. He meets us with greater kindness in order to manifest in us the riches of his infinite bounty, so that where sin abounds, God is going to meet us with his grace, and he's going to help us then to confront that sin in our life. I think this line is the great challenge for us from our reading today. 
But if men would see into the secret workings of the demons just as they happen, and if they could perceive the traps and pitfalls which of their own fault they permit the demons to prepare for them, all would live in trembling and fear. Many would change their state of life or would refuse to enter upon it. Others would forsake the positions, offices, and dignities which they now esteem so highly. If we were only aware of the state of our souls, if only we were aware of what is happening around us, well, we would take greater care to do better in our life. Again, this is why I believe Mary appears. This is why she gives visions of heaven and hell, so that as we hear these things, well, that they might challenge us and make us realize the effects of our actions so that we will choose heaven over hell, that we will choose good over evil. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.